104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Let's sing this song. Put the music tonight. Sing with me. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. change when we sing the words he has made me glad we have to look glad is that too much to ask on a Wednesday evening would you look at your neighbor and just look glad would you just look at your neighbor and look glad here we go I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart I will enter his courts with praise I will say the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. Made me glad. He's made me glad. Come on. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Anybody thankful for Christ and the change he's made in your life? Have you thought about the things he's kept you from? Someone say hallelujah. Oh, he has made us glad here in the house tonight. Anybody visiting us for the first time or the first time in a long time? We have one. Thank you for being here. One of our ushers is going to give you a visitor's card. If you can fill it out and put it in the offering later on, we'd love a record of your visit, be able to minister to you. Anybody else want a visitor's card? All right, Brother Truett did not raise his hand. What a blessing. Hey, can we turn around and shake someone's hand and make them welcome to our midweek service here at Community Bible Baptist Church.
together, I think, one of the most beautiful songs from pen to paper describing the love of our great God. Sing with me. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest something inside of you. Oh, it makes you want to cry and shout and sing. Hallelujah. Verse 2, sing. When holy time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call. God's love so sure shall still Stretch from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. And the church says, Amen. You may be seated tonight. All right. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus, please. The book of Exodus. I'm going to do that. Is that better? Good. Exodus chapter number 15. <clears throat> Exodus chapter number 15. I personally believe, and, and uh, you do not have to believe me. You don't have to agree with me. Uh, you will be wrong if you don't agree with me. But I personally believe outside the Bible itself, that third verse of that song may be the greatest 
line ever written. I just uh, I remember the first time I ever heard, uh, uh, I believe, uh, Brother John, I believe it was uh, Bill Blount. Did you ever hear Bill Blount sing that at Midwestern? I believe it was Bill Blount saying that, and I thought, my goodness, that must be in the Bible. That's so good. Uh, could we with ink the ocean fill? Uh, <clears throat> every stalk on earth a quill, every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. And though the scroll, uh, the scroll could not contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I, I just fell in love with that song. And uh, love it. Thank you for it. I appreciate you being here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a bad person uh, because today I was watching Facebook. Y'all know that already. I'm a little bit of a bad person, but I'll tell you why tonight. Uh, today on Facebook, all of my friends were posting on their social media feeds how cold it was. You know, one degree, nine degrees below zero, wind chill, 37 uh, old Matt sent me a picture from Hammond, Indiana this morning, uh, working out in ice and snow. And I'm just a bad person. I, I just took a picture of my phone where it said Pinellas Park temperature. And then it had our five-day forecast, sunny, 75 degree. I just posted it. And you know how many people sent unkind, mean-spirited, angry? I mean, they, they, they don't love God. They're pitiful. Terrible people. And I'm just a Barnabas trying to be an encourager, trying to be an exhorter. And yet I do know, I do know this is cold weather for us. Now this is uh, Sunday. Sunday uh, was the worst day that I remember having along. I have water, John. Thank you very much. I'm good. Uh, Sunday was the worst day I remember having at church in a long time. It rained all day. It was uh, wet, cold, windy. And old poor Brother Truett, he pulled up uh, to let Lend out. He pulled up in a mud puddle. And I said, I said uh, it was just uh, that much water under the car there. And I said, I said Chuck, pull up. She's going to step out in the water. He said, why do you think I pulled up here in the first place? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. But it's just a terrible day. We still had a wonderful day. And uh, Rejoicing Preacher and I were just talking. Uh, Sunday night was a, was a we weren't going to have church. And then we had church. And God knew I needed to have church Sunday night, and he spoke to my heart. I'm thankful that we can be about uh, the Father's business, right, and be about the Master's business, and a wonderful service. But uh, I got home Sunday night, and I'd been sick about two weeks, just kind of under the weather. But uh, I guess the emotion of all the events and everything done, and it, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And so Monday and then Tuesday, especially yesterday, was awful. Stayed in the bed most of the day. And I went to the doctor today, and they've given me uh, <clears throat> medicine, steroids, and all that. Uh, I don't like, I, I don't mind taking, let me, let me rephrase it. I don't mind taking steroids. My wife doesn't like me taking steroids. She says I become meaner than normal, but uh, they, they have to give that to me. I feel like the Hulk on steroids, uh, but uh, just under the weather, achy, kind of feel terrible. But I didn't want to miss church tonight. I love to be around God's people. And I don't want to give you my cold, so I'm trying to fist bump or elbow bump or just wave at you a little bit. But I want to be in church. And I, I was looking at the next text in our series, and uh, isn't it interesting? Uh, I'm under it. Brother Mike's here tonight. He's under the weather. And uh, we're going to talk about Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so take your Bible, Exodus chapter 15, begin reading in verse number 22. Exodus 15. Verse number 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out in the wilderness of Shur, and they 
went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Who else do we know has the name Marah or bitter? Ruth. We found that just two Sundays ago in the book of Ruth. Marah said, call me not Naomi, sweet or pleasant. Call me Marah, bitter. Now this is an actual place called Marah. It was a place where the waters were undrinkable. They were bitter water. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible says the waters were made sweet. Uh, there he made for them, uh, I'm sorry, let me, let me uh, go back, verse 23. For they were bitter, therefore the name of it was Mar, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? He cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. <clears throat> there he made for them a statute and an ordinance that he proved them, and said, now look at verse 26, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, <clears throat> thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. Now we know the ten plagues that plague the Egyptians. Now watch our text, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. <clears throat> and they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water, three score and ten palm trees, <clears throat> and they encamped there by the waters. Now, I'm going to get some more water. I'm trying to drink liberally. <clears throat> Brother Tony was preaching one time and uh, went to the pulpit, and they had a giant glass of water and a pitcher next to it. And Brother Tony preached for an hour and a half and just kept filling that pitcher that water, filling that pitcher, drinking, preached for an hour and a half. And he made the statement. He said, as long as there's water, I'll keep preaching. The next night he got up to preach, and there was a communion cup sitting there. And so I got, uh, I got one bottle's worth tonight, all right? So you uh, help me, pray with me. And uh, you know what? We kind of certainly need Jehovah uh, Rapha, the God who healeth thee, the Lord who healeth thee. Now, Father, tonight, you know I have several things on my mind, and <clears throat> some of them have to do with this text. Some of them are other things the church needs to hear about and know about and pray about. And so <clears throat> help me to keep the focus where it needs to be for a few moments. Help me to help somebody. Help me to be an encouragement. Help me to be a teacher. Help me to be a preacher. Lord, to proclaim, thus saith the Lord. And Lord, I pray tonight we would learn some things, and then more importantly, we would apply some things. We pray it and we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, <clears throat> Brother Mike Austin said the other day that context is very important. So what's the context of our passage tonight? And the context is uh, the children of Israel have come out of Egypt and they have no water to drink. Now, it was very interesting it did not take long that no matter what God had done in the past, the children of Israel were quick to complain in the present. God had just delivered them out of bondage. God had just delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh. God had slain all of Pharaoh's army, and they go just a few days, 
And they come to a place where they think they're going to get a little water. They come to a, an oasis, if you will. And uh, they go to test the water. And the water is mara or bitter. And they look at Moses and they say, you brought us out here to die. Now, why in the world would God have brought them out of Egypt and did all the things that he did in Egypt just to let them die in the wilderness? Now, I want to ask you a question. If God doesn't have a plan for your life right now, why did he save you in the first place? If God saved you, God has a plan for you. And if God didn't have a plan for you, God would have never saved you. And the children of Israel, just like us, God saved them for a purpose and a plan. And just because trouble comes, sickness comes, detours come, disappointments come, doesn't mean God is done. God is just unveiling another part of his plan. And perhaps God is teaching you a truth that you'll need later in the plan. Now, the doctor said <clears throat> the problem is drainage. So it's not my throat's messed up. It's drainage. So don't bring up cough drops. <clears throat> don't bring up toddies. I'll see you after church to get the toddies. Amen. <clears throat> don't bring me anything. It's just drainage. And it's just going to have to suffer through it. You notice I'm speaking slowly tonight. Now, this is the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. I had one of my, in fact, <clears throat> I believe one of my wife's dearest friends y'all met, Johanna, was here Sunday morning. <clears throat> and they go to <clears throat> a evangelical free church. Anybody know, anybody from the north, especially Minnesota, know what the evangelical free churches are? Two of you. Three of you. <clears throat> and so... They're a little bit different than us anyway, but um, I thought her two little friends that were traveling with her went to that evangelical free church. And so uh, I told Johanna afterward, I said, did you warn them about our church and about me? She said, I tried. One of the little ladies with them, she said, I was told that you Southerners speak slowly. She said, you spoke so fast, couldn't get but about every fourth word along the way. And she said, that's very different than what I'm used to. And I said, well, you go to church with Johanna. She said, oh, no. She goes, I go to a Plymouth Brethren church. I think we may be as far from a Plymouth Brethren as California is to New York, all right? And I was watching that poor woman. She's trying to drink that sermon in like she's trying to drink out of a fire hose. But she said she loved it and enjoyed it. So anyway, <clears throat> but I'm speaking slower tonight to try to be careful about that. Now, <clears throat> God has a plan. And just because your plan and God's plan don't go the same doesn't mean God's finished with your particular plan. Sometimes God is working. Sometimes Satan is working. Sometimes your own flesh is working. But God still always has a plan. And God will take what the devil means for evil, Joseph and his brethren, and use it for good. God will take what we did in the flesh, Paul, persecutor of the church, and use it for his glory. 
So no matter what happens in your life as a believer, God has saved you and God has a plan for you and God has a purpose for you. Every detour is not the end of the road. Every failure is not a finality. It is not always a period. Sometimes it's a comma and is to follow. Don't let a minor disruption create a catastrophe moment in your life. And so the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt. They have just witnessed God do all these incredible things. And now they come to a little bump in the road and they complain. And they cry out to Moses, you've brought us out here to die. God looks at them and Moses looks at God and Moses says, God, what are we going to do about this? And God says, now, <clears throat> I'd like to preach on this. This is just wonderful preaching. Verse 24, Moses, what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. The Lord showed him a tree. When he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Let me give you a simple cure for your trouble let me give you a prescription for your problem. Whatever your problem is, throw the tree in it. Whatever your problem, you say, what tree? I'm talking about the cross. I'm talking about Jesus. No matter your problem, Jesus is your answer. Now, lots of pictures, lots of types, tremendous lessons to, to learn here tonight. And so <clears throat> he says... As we go down to our text, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. So you have the Lord, Jehovah God, the self-existent, eternal one, and then Rapha, Rapha. And that is the one who heals. Now, <clears throat> the exact phrase there means to mend by stitching, to cure, to cause to heal, to repair, to thoroughly make whole. To thoroughly make whole. God says, I am the eternal Self-existent one that will make you whole, that will heal you, that will mend you, that will repair you. And he, he uses <coughs> this object lesson of Mara to teach this great truth. Now, I want to give you two points tonight, just two. Just two points. God is my witness. Number one. I want you to understand the Lord heals physical sickness. I believe with all my heart that what he's talking about right here are those plagues and those diseases that afflicted Egypt. And I believe the Lord is telling the children of Israel, children of Israel, I want you to obey me. I want you to follow me. I want you to do your best to put me first. And if you'll do that, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. 
I will not let these diseases consume you as they consume the Egyptians. Does anybody tonight doubt for one moment that we have a God who heals us of our diseases? If you do, you do not know the God of the Bible. He is the creator God, the sustainer God, the healing God. Now, you have to understand the purpose or the reason that we have sickness in the first place. Why do we get sick? Why do we die? It's the curse of sin. The curse of sin. And sin, because of Adam, sin is passed upon all generations in Adam. All have sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. Anybody perfect? Dare raise your hand. I'll ask the person next to you. No, nobody's perfect. We're all sinners. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. Sin is because of the curse. Now watch this. We do not sin to become sinners. We are sinners, therefore we sin. You do not teach a child to sin. A child knows how to sin from day one. They're hardwired that way because that is their default disposition. We're born sinners. We're born contrary. We're born liars, thieves, the whole nine yards. Now, because of sin, we have sickness. Adam and Eve could have had it perfect, but they blew it. And as a result, this world was plunged into what we have now. And I believe this, the farther we get from creation, the farther we get from God, the more we see the results of sin taking their toll on humanity. Now, is sin evil? I mean, is sickness evil? No. Sometimes sickness, physical sickness, is allowed by God. Sometimes physical sickness is allowed by God. Jesus, who sinned? This man or his mother? What was the answer? Nobody. This sickness was for the glory of God. Sometimes God does not punish us with sickness as a consequence of sin. Now, sometimes God does. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, weak, sickly among you, die early. Why? Because play in church. Play in church. Coming like everything's good. We're going to look at first, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter one in a moment. Same kind of principle. But uh, play in church, and God says that's why so many are sick, so many are weak, so many are feeble, and so many die young is because uh, that is a consequence of sin. But consequences of sin aside, sometimes God just says, you know what? This is for my glory. I can't always answer that. The great why questions that people ask me. By the way, Job could not answer the why question. Job tried for 39 chapters. Job's friends, miserable comforters all, tried to tell Job, Job, it's got to be sin because that's the only reason people get sick. And that was not true. Sometimes God just allows that to be the path we choose. Fanny Crosby, the famed hymn writer, 
others that we can go down the line and say, what was their great sin? This sin was not a result uh, of their choices or decisions. This sickness, or this sickness, I mean, I'm sorry, this sickness was so that God would get glory through their suffering. Joni Erickson Tata, many of you have seen Joni, the, the, the famous uh, Christian young lady, now, now up in age, it's hard to believe that we've been around so long, but to paralyze, and you say, oh, that sickness was tragic. That sickness has allowed, that, that par paralyzation has allowed her to have a voice that she would have never had. Now, I can't explain the accident. I can't explain the paralyzation. I just know this. God chose that path. Now, number two, I, I will say this. Sometimes sickness is not just allowed by God. Sometimes sickness is actually authored by God. Read with me 2 Corinthians, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Paul said this, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, some people think that was his eyesight. Some people think it was kind of a, a stooped over, kind of a, a back issue. He said, but I have this thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. That means to push down lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect. And weakness, <clears throat> most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul said, <clears throat> This Thorn in the flesh that I asked God at least three or quarter times removed, I now accept because it is what God uses to, number one, empower me, but number two, to humble me. And God said, Paul, this is for your best interest. Have you ever thought that sometimes God is doing for you through a trial, a test, a sickness, what needs to be done, although you don't fully understand the whys of it. Just speaking for a moment, everybody else tune out, please, please. David and Gail, I firmly believe with all my heart that maybe God has caused us to hurt today that we may rejoice down the road. I'm just saying, sometimes God will author something in your life. And you think, this is the worst thing for me. And yet, down the road, you'll look back and say, God did that to help me, strengthen me, prepare me, equip me, mold me into his image. But number three, not only is sickness allowed by God, Job, authored by God, Paul, but many times, Sickness is answered by God. James chapter number 5, look at it. You believe the Bible, yes or no? Amen? All right. <clears throat> believe all the Bible or just the parts you like? Is any among you afflicted? Say amen right there. Let him. What's the next word? If you're in your King James, 
Verse 13, let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, there's more preaching than we'll ever do in this passage. In fact, I just listened to a tremendous message on this, and I would encourage you, uh, <clears throat> I'll find the link and post it. Tremendous message on this context and on this passage. But the bottom line is this. I believe that if we pray that God is able and willing to heal those we pray for. I, I am not, now, it's not in the anointing oil itself. Those are all symbolic and pictures of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's much here. But I do believe that it is right, and I do believe it's commanded that there are times when you ought to call the spiritually mature of the church together and pray over them, anointing them with oil, asking God to heal. Now, let me ask you a question. Preacher, you've been doing this a long time. Does God always answer that particular prayer the way we ask it? Of course not. Brother Chuck, should we then stop asking God to heal? See, these are the quandaries of the Christian faith that you're going to wrestle with. I cannot answer for why God chooses to temporarily heal some and not others. By the way, they're all still going to die because it is appointed a man wants to die. So even if it is a healing, it is still but a temporal healing. Lazarus may have been risen from the dead, but Lazarus still died and faced the future. Sometimes God does. I'll never forget this lesson. We learned it the hardest way possible watching our pastor fight cancer. And Dr. Hudson had a charismatic cousin that believed in, in all the sign gifts being relevant and all those things. And he came to the house one day, and Dr. Hudson was, was in that great battle with cancer. And he, he wanted to pray over Dr. Hudson, and he ran out to have, Brother Hudson tells a story. He ran out the door just rejoicing, Curtis, you're going to be healed. Curtis, you're going to be healed. Curtis, you're going to be healed. Now, Hudson tells a story in the preaching later that I remember hearing. He said, it's interesting that we as biblicists believe in eternal salvation. What that means is that if you trust Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, we believe that nothing can separate us from the love of God and that we are going to heaven when we die. Now, most of the people that believe in sign gifts and those things, they don't believe in what we call eternal salvation. They believe you can lose your salvation. And Dr. Hudson said, it's ironic to me that my cousin who believes Jesus can heal me from my cancer, but doesn't believe Jesus can get him all the way into heaven. I believe Jesus can get me all the way into heaven, but we as independent Baptists sometimes pray that almost like we don't believe God can heal temporarily. And then Dr. Hudson gave him the answer, and it was the best answer. Do you want to know why? Because if you don't get healed, everybody will know it. But if you don't go to heaven, nobody knows. I thought that's the funniest thing. If I die, you don't know where I go till you get there yourself. But if I pray that God heal you and you die, I must have a sorry prayer life. 
I believe, I've practiced it. I believe, I be, as I get older, the more I believe it. I believe that God answers prayer for healing. I believe that God is a miracle working God. I believe God can at any time touch anybody and do anything no matter what the earthly doctors say. Believe that all my heart. But I will tell you that God does not always answer that prayer because remember, some physical sickness is allowed by God for a greater purpose. There have been more saved through the death of some than the life of some. Let me give you a thought. Ought to witness to your family now. Ought to live right now. Ought to be an example now as a believer so God doesn't take you home early because God wants your family to hear. And if you're not going to tell, God may use a preacher to tell because you're unwilling to tell. Mm. Selah. Think about that one. Many of you weak and sickly, well, not living right, playing church. God wanted you and that family with the gospel for purpose and reason. And the gospel would have greater impact if somebody would tell the gospel than you to play the gospel. So, physical sickness is real. It's authored by God, allowed by God, answered by God. By the way, let me say this, just, just kind of move. I read three or four articles today about crazy things all over the place. I believe that there is a physical sickness, an emotional sickness, spiritual sickness, that I believe a lot of what we see in today's world, I believe it's all combined. There's a lot going on there, and this is not the message for that. But I will just tell you this, whatever the root of that sickness is, I believe God can heal. Now, I will say this, sin is not a sickness by definition. Oh, he's... He's just got a sickness. No, he's a sinner. And that's a choice. Okay? Now, now listen, no offense here, please, please, please. But my proclivities to evil are not because I'm wired that way. It's because I am a sinner whose flesh craves sin. So don't tell me that I can't have victory over substances. Don't tell me I can't have victory over thoughts. Don't tell me I can't have victory over things that draw my attention because what you're saying there is that God made you do what you do and it's God's fault. It's not God's fault. James says we're tempted of our own self. We're drawn away of our own self. It's the man in the mirror you have to blame, not the God in heaven. So don't lie to somebody and tell them you have a disease when what they need is uh, salvation. They need a Holy Ghost a revival or renewal because if you give them uh, an out, they will play that and they'll say, it's not my fault. Yes, it is your fault. And Jesus is the answer to that. We are coming to the place. Now, we are there, I believe. We are coming to the place where such deviant behavior as adults raping children is going to be classified as a condition. And that's nothing more than 
deviant, wicked perversion. Okay, but we've, we've set the table with our other addictions. And now we're just following that all the way through. Now, number two, let me give you this quickly. Second point. <clears throat> There's a physical sickness, but this allusion to the tree shows us there is also a spiritual sickness. Now, I'm going to show you something that I hope will help you. <clears throat> the cross makes all the difference. The cross makes all the difference. There's an illusion to throw the tree in this. What's bitter, what's broken, what's marred, throw the tree there, can be made whole, can be made right, can be made sweet. That is a perfect picture of salvation. What is broken by sin, what is marred by sin, the bitterness of sin, when we come to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, resurrection, that makes what is broken mended, that makes what is uh, unright right, that makes what is in pieces whole, and that is a picture or an allusion to the cross. Now, I want you to understand, all of us are sinners. Find this. And if you don't have your Bible, number one, shame on you. Number two, get a Bible. Go to Isaiah chapter one. What's the nickname for the book of Isaiah? The little Bible. 66 books, 39 sections in the first half, 27 in the old. It's an identical mirror to the full word of God. Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations right there. If you don't find it in a minute, just stop where you're at. Look smart. Or if you have a phone, an iPad, just push the button. That helps people nowadays, just push the button. Ah, look at verse 4, Isaiah 1, 4. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises, putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound out, neither mollified with ointment. And we could read and read and read. And what the prophet Isaiah is saying is that we are in a sinful condition. Sinful condition. Anybody have a question that we are in a sinful condition then or now? The answer is no. We are apart from God. We are alien to God. We are against God. We do things that violate the holiness of God. Now, interesting, if we were able to do a study of Isaiah 1, what you're going to find, what really God is going to go on and say is, stop playing religion. Stop making sacrifice. Stop the offerings. Stop the show. Your actions tell me you love me. Uh, your, your words tell me you love me, but your actions far from me. Stop lying to God. You're sinners. You're far from God. Stop lying. Now, God has declared the human race sick, sin sick. 
We can go and study from that first fall to the last call that God has been working to redeem back to himself a fallen humanity. And we're waxing, not better and better, but worse and worse. Now, our sinful condition, we're sinners by nature, we're sinners by choice. Our sinful consequences, Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Soul of the Father, soul of the Son, soul that sinneth, it shall die. Our consequences of sin, death, physical death, spiritual death, judgment for sin, separation from God, punishment. The consequences, the wages of sin is the cure. Look at Isaiah 53. You're already there. I kept you right in Isaiah for a reason. Isaiah 53, look at verse number one. Who has believed our report? Isaiah, for 52 chapters, has been telling them, you're broken, you're sinful, you're sick, you need help, you need a healer, you need a God who healeth thee, who hath believed our report. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he... Prophetic, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. <clears throat> he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes... We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity, the sin, the transgression of us all. Now watch me. Just as he is Jehovah Rapha, I believe he will heal our physical sickness. I know he is the only one who can heal our spiritual sickness. If you were Jewish and read this, you, to me, now, I'm not Jewish. If you're Jewish and read this Isaiah 53 passage and had any kind, any kind of an understanding of the ministry, the person, the work of Christ, how could you not see the Lord Jesus clearly described and depicted as this one. This is not the nation of Israel. I'll tell you this is the nation of Israel. There's no way you can make this Israel. This is a person rejected by Israel. 
This is one who didn't come as a king, who came uh, so that they didn't like what he looked like. There was no beauty in him. There was no calmness. There was nothing that outwardly attracted them to him. He was the stone rejected by the builders. And yet it was him who took our sin. And it was by his stripes we are healed. Now watch me quickly. Lesson. Do not, Brother Mike, take this out of context. This is talking about your sin. This is not talking about your physical sickness, but your spiritual sickness. You cannot take Isaiah 53, 5 and make that say everybody is to be healed Physically. Now, you can take Isaiah 53 5 and say that God wants everybody to be healed spiritually. Let me prove that to you. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth? 2 Peter 3 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not when that any should perish, but that all should come. To repentance. Now, if you think God does not want anybody to, uh, God does not want everybody to be saved, the Lord showed me a verse today that just tickled me to death. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. God will save anybody. God has made a way to save anybody because God gave his son for everybody. Now watch verse 18 of the book of the Revelation, chapter 2. I've preached this, but I've never saw it in this light. Watch it. Chapter 2, verse 18. Now everybody found Revelation because it's the last book in the Bible. And under the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass, I know thy works and charity and service and faith, thy patience and thy works, thy last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which causeth, calleth herself to be a prophetess, to, see, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, look up here. This is not Jezebel, Ahab. This is someone at Thyatira that had the spirit of Jezebel. Spirit of Jezebel. Now, here's the spirit of Jezebel. You don't see too many babies born in Alshon Hospital. Oh, look, let's name her Jezebel. Because the connotation is Jezebel is anti or against God. And so what Jesus is writing here to the church at Thyatira is, I love you guys, you've done great, but you've got a, a, a woman who claims to be of me who's actually against me. Now, is there anybody more wicked in the world than somebody that claims to be for Christ but is really working against Christ? No, that, that's, to me that's the lowest form to, to be a wolf trying to act like a sheep. Now watch this. And I gave her space to repent. I gave her space to repent. 
I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she repented not. Jesus is saying even to his most vexing enemy, come unto me, turn to me, believe in me, trust me, rely. Don't keep going this way. Don't keep going this way. God wants everybody to be healed spiritually. You know why? Watch me, I'm done. Let's say that God were to miraculously raise up somebody in our church that was just on their deathbed. I mean, man, we got three or four right now in the nursing home just, 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 just really struggling. And boy, we all got together and just got, we went over and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And we believed and we, our, our elders got together and we poured oil and anointed and prayed. And I mean, the next morning we come in and they're sitting up and they're eating breakfast and they're talking in their right mind. And the doctor say, it's a miracle. Man, I thought this 92-year-old woman was going to die today. But she's healed. No trace of cancer. No <coughs> This pneumonia killed him. That's what they're going to say on my. No trace of demand. Must heal. 92. How many 95 year olds you know run around? 98 year olds. 99 year olds. We celebrate when you get to them hundreds. If the main thing was physical healing, at best, you're only extending a life that is still going to die. But when there's spiritual healing, it doesn't matter what happens on the physical. Wouldn't come back if we could bring him back. Because he now sees in full what we only know in part. See, I believe in healing. And folks, if you get to that place and you say, well, I don't want to bother the preacher, bother the preacher. That's one of the things that we're supposed to do. We'll call the church. We'll get, our, we'll get our best men together. And boy, we'll come to you or you come to us. And, and we will pray. And buddy, we got some men that believe God. And I believe God. And we'll pray and we'll believe in faith that God can raise you up. But friend, if God raises you up today and you get hit by a bus tomorrow, you're still going to die and go to hell. You must be saved. I love it. A man that has two births only faces one death. A man that has one birth faces two deaths. First death and the second death. And the second death is far worse than the first death because that's the eternal death. But he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who healeth thee. Yes, physically, but oh, so much more spiritually. Throw the cross in that bitter life, broken life, heart-wrenched life, and let, he make, let him make it whole. Let him make it whole. But Lord, I really appreciate you letting me get through tonight. And I have no idea why such a topic would be so impressed upon my spirit this evening. But Lord, if there's someone in our family of faith <clears throat> that is wavering, asking the elders to come to pray over them. 
May they take the word of God at face value. Literal meaning, literal sense that, Lord, you will, you will answer the prayer of faith. Touching the body, but God, tonight, please. If there's somebody in this building that is still sin sick, not made whole by the blood of the Lamb, by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, may they cry out to you tonight for Forgiveness, mercy, and healing. We, we plead it. Knowing that you'll save whoever calls, that you'll heal whoever asks of forgiveness. You'll give them new life in Jesus Christ. Make it so, we pray. Let it be so, we pray. Believing not only physically, but far more importantly, whosoever shall call upon them, Lord, shall be saved. Let it be so now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Brother John, be seated right there. All right, look up this way. Going to do it a little bit different now. Doing great on time, wonderful on time. How many of you believe that preaching, now this is a trick question, so listen closely. How many of you believe, and if you need to be dismissed, now's your time. Go on, because we're going to stay for a minute. If you need to go, don't feel bad one bit. Go on, go. How many of you believe that preaching is the most important Part of the church. Say amen. Let me just raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay, wrong. Wrong. Before there's power in the pulpit for preaching, there must be prayer. All right, now listen, I'm, I'm reading a book. A book costs $1,200. If you find a copy and you want to buy it for your preacher, I love you, but I ain't going to buy it for myself. It's a book called a Ray for God. It's the story of Percy Ray. It's the life story of Percy Ray. Whether it's Percy Ray or Billy Kelly or Ralph Sexton Sr., John Rice or Curtis, anybody, doesn't matter the story. The pulpit was not the key. The prayer was the key. Great missions have been built not on preaching, not on evangelism, but, but prayer. Ralph Sexton said what God is doing in South Korea right now is not as a result of evangelism. It's a result of prayer and evangelism and the emphasis on the prayer part. And I got a little bit convicted just this afternoon. <clears throat> we have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study. We do much more Bible studying than we do praying. And I'm not going to ask you to stay an hour or anything, so don't do that. But I'm going to ask you this question, honest before God. Honest, now listen, this is for your edification. How many of you can pray out loud for one minute straight. Let me see your hand. You can make a prayer for one minute. All right, good. How many of you can, can, could pray and not lose focus and not start praying for Mary and her little lambs, Rudolph and his reindeer buddies, for four minutes? Let me see your hand. Four minutes. Now, you think four minutes, that ain't a long time. You start praying, you'll find out how long four minutes. Now, what we're going to do tonight, just to break us in, we're going to split the difference. And I'm going to ask you, John, you come and just read through the announcements, and I'm going to come back and lead it. The, not the announcements, the prayer request, yes. Then I'm going to come back, and for two minutes, now, how many is in this room, Stephen, tonight? Hundred? Hundred. I'll just round, I'll do 90, 90. So 90 times 2 is what? 
180 divided by 60 is what? Three. So in two minutes, with 90 people, some of you pray a little longer, we'll cover that gap. We could spend three hours worth of prayer because you multiply it out. You think God would answer prayer if we earnestly got to praying? There's people need to be saved. There's some marriages that are on the rocks. There's some kids. There's some workers. So tonight, now here's what we're going to do. I ask a couple of you, ever been in one, if you feel uncomfortable, again, nobody has to be, you don't have to do anything. But I like unison prayer meetings. Okay? Preacher, we all right? We're good? Old time. That's where you just pray and you talk to God. Now, we're not going to have just one person leading. We're all going to pray. That means we're going to open our mouth. You say, preacher, I'm next to a loud person. Get next to a quiet person. Get alone by yourself. But we're going to pray. And when I say amen, we're done. You say, preacher, if we all pray, can God understand? Don't ask that question. Because there, there's seven and a half billion people around the world. He's got it under control. Okay, And they're praying in some languages that would struggle you and I, but he's got it under control. So we're going to pray out loud together. Now, if you don't feel comfortable, no pressure. Oh, please. Some of you men understand the value of an altar. You come join me at the altar. I'm going to pray at my chair for two minutes. Somebody get a watch. John, you're going to be our timekeeper. Two minutes. Three hours can be accomplished in two minutes. And then maybe if the Lord will allow this in my heart like I want to, we'll up it to three minutes. And maybe four minutes. And maybe before you know it, we'll learn the most important thing we can do. Is fall on our face before God and ask Him to forgive us of our sin, cleanse our hearts, turn from our wicked ways, and then we might see God do something. Now, you don't have to be involved in this. I remember the first time I was in a unison prayer meeting, I was in <clears throat> Middle Tennessee Baptist Church, and buddy, it sounded like a bunch of hornets cut loose in that room. I said, oh, Jesus, what's going on right here? But after a while, I kind of got used to it, and then I kind of got to where I liked it, because them old boys know how to pray. My Uncle Harvey, y'all know Harvey Ware. I was down at his church up on the mountain. He said, y'all come pray. So I went to the altar to pray. He knelt down beside me, and I'm just praying, dear God. I'm 25, just married his niece. Dear God, you know, help me in value. And all of a sudden, that old man cut in beside me, and he skipped me in line. I thought I was hooked up. I wasn't even to the power source yet. That old man got to praying, and I just stopped. I said, I'm, amen, whatever he's saying, amen right there. Amen, yes, ditto. You know how you learn to pray? You get around people that know how to pray. Best way to teach your children to pray, pray in front of them. All right, John, bring our request before us, and then if you're able, you can pray at the altar. Two minutes. That's all we're going to pray. Two minutes. Let's turn attention to the red prayer sheets tonight. Our missionary, Corey Meyer, as he has the regulatory. And his spine, irregularities, I can't even say that word, preacher. An injury to his Achilles tendon. Paul Jean, as he will have a pacemaker surgery on February 5th. Karina, a friend of April Aldrich, very serious condition in the hospital. Michael, four-month-old, grandson of April Aldrich's neighbor as he's waiting for a liver transplant. A memorial service for Miss Jane Finney this Saturday here at the church. All the families involved there. 
Don Combs. He's having surgery on February 7th. And on the top of your list, I need you all to pencil in, our Spanish pastor brother, Herbert Hidalgo, needs a touch from heaven. Last report, he's at the hospital. He's doing so bad here this evening. So I'm asking every person that can hear me, we need to lift him up tonight at the top of our list. Pastors instructed us to pray out loud for the next two minutes. I'm going to start my timer if you want to use the altar. Herbert went down to El Salvador, and he's afraid he may have gotten a parasite. And he, uh, if you know anything about dengue or malaria, any of these bone, Rick knows about this. These are what they call bone-breaking type fevers. He said the other day, he said, Pastor, my body feels like it's being pulled apart, and the doctor just can't get it over. So they've taken him to, to run tests tonight. So Herbert needs our prayers. Herbert needs our prayers. I don't think he's preached for two or three Sundays that his, his, his helper has been, been preaching. So uh, Mike is rushing up here, John. Kimberly Hubbard is asking prayer for herself. Uh, just some health issues going on, struggling back. So uh, I think she's visiting us here in the back, Miss Kimberly Hubbard.
right? Right, dear God, you know what we're trying to do tonight. We're trying to get real with you. And, Lord, we want to pretend no longer and we want to fake no more. And, God, would you just please help us to humble ourselves before you tonight. Oh, dear God, tonight people have asked us to pray and we don't know how to pray. Right. We got grieving people and hurting people and scared people and lost people. And God, they'll never come to faith without the unction of the Holy Ghost. They'll never get right without the conviction of the Holy One. So God, tonight we pray that we'd get right with you and get real with you. We'd confess sin before you. God, I pray you'd help us, starting with the staff all the way through our, our elders, our leaders. And God, that we'd go all the way down the line. We'd get right with you and get right with each other. And then God, we'd have a touch of heaven. And God, that we'd know what it is to have the power the presence of the Holy One. Help these good families that are hurting. Help our church. We, we go to these meetings about the building program and we get log jammed. Lord, we need, we need some wisdom. We need some direction. We need some, some miracles. And there's no way around it. Our missions program. God, what you're doing in IOS, I can't, even, I can't even shout it loud enough how big you are. And God, I pray tonight you just keep us right that you would keep your hand upon this place, but not just in status quo. May we go where we've never been, and may we do what we've never done. And God, we'll give you the praise, and we'll get out of the way, and we'll say, this is of the good hand of our God. Yes. Let it be so, we ask now, yes. in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. All right, all God's people said? Amen. All right, how many of you made it? Two minutes. Let me see your hand. That's that's four and a half minutes. Four and a half times ninety is a lot. Okay, now let's pray that Brother Dory can get up. Hey, well, look at that! Answer to prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Good. All right. <clears throat> Some of you ask about the baby. The baby had tonsillectomy on Monday. By the way, brilliant idea. Have VBS all week and then go to surgery at eight o'clock on Monday. What a good idea by the stance of him. Baby came through great. The doctor said her, her tonsils were extremely swollen. He said there's no way uh, stuff could even get through her throat. So pray this goes well. <clears throat> Dale Gunters, Dale and Dolly, I guess we should throw that in. Grandson had major surgery on uh, yesterday, on Monday as well. So pray for him. And then also uh, have an announcement to make. All right, everybody look up this way. Three years ago, our church sent Brother Redford and Beth Ann and a bunch of our friends to Largo. Now, we had no idea we'd be coming behind them later, did we? But God honored that investment. When we send our best, God sends us back. You'll never outgive God. Okay? I believe this property. I believe our current staff, Brother John, Brother Guffey, Brother Mike, Tom Young, all this is because we sent our best, God gives us our best. Everybody agree with that? Acts 13, the Bible says, separate me, who? Barnabas, Saul, 
the work I've called them. One of our men is leaving to go and take an assistant pastorate across the state, Fort Pierce, Florida. Young man over there took a church, 25 or 30, got it up to about 85, 90, but he needs some help. He called me on the phone. He said, do you have anybody that can help me? I said, nope. I ain't giving no more. And the Lord touched my heart two days later. I said, I got a young man that's tremendous. He's a great asset musically. Does a great deal with our podcast and with our technology and, and our bus ministry. And I said, uh, he may be a good fit. He, he's got a lot to learn, got a lot of growing up to do, but he may be a good fit. He's an outstanding young man. Y'all talk about it. Y'all pray about it. And um, they met. They talked. They've been working now about two and a half, three months on this. And uh, Brother Hayden Anderson has accepted the position as associate pastor over at Fort Pierce, Florida. <clears throat> Brother Anthony Aiken is his pastor. And so on February the 10th, February the 10th, oh, a week from this Sunday, so not this Sunday, but a week, we are going, there he is, brother, we're going to send Brother Hayden out with style. All right, so that means money. We're going to send him out loaded down. It's been a blessing. Now, Hayden, they, his family came to our church when he was 15, so he's technically uh, grown up in this church. He went to Bible college locally. He's worked for me now for two and a half years, and uh, we've tried to do our best to prepare him, and now he can go and take what he's learned here and be a blessing over there. Yeah. Now, Brother Aiken is the grandson of a famous, uh, a famous pastor. Uh, his, his grandpa took Tabernacle Baptist Church when Brother Seitler retired, Brother Aiken became the pastor. This is Brother Aiken's grandson. So, Brother Hayden, what's the name of the church, Hayden? Bible Baptist Church, Fort Pierce, Florida. So he's going from Bible, community Bible to Bible. He can shorten his name. I told Hayden I'm not going to miss that nasty beard or his terrible coffee, either one, all right? So February the 10th, that Sunday night, we'll send him out with a love offering and try to be a blessing to him, all right? We rejoice over that. Hard decision. Hayden said, are you firing me? I said, no, I'm promoting you. And uh, this is God letting us. Now, here's, what, here's what's good about that. People have to step in here to fill the gap, and he gets to go be a blessing over there. So February the 10th is Brother Hayden's transfer Sunday, and he'll begin right away over at Bible Baptist in Fort Pierce. So that's a blessing. All right, Brother John, ushers, you come. We're going to receive the offering. And I know we're a little bit late tonight, but it ain't that, ain't that bad at all. Uh, preacher, some of our people were excited thinking it was me leaving. Preacher, did you see their face? Uh, ushers, you can go ahead and pass those plates, would you? Pass those plates, pass those plates. Thank you guys so much. Let me give you some announcements and we can uh, go home. First of all, we have a lot of lost and found items in the coffee shop from jackets to Bibles to coffee cups with coffee still in them. Someone say amen. All right. Lee Ann's dress shop is open in the courtyard. She brings dresses and sells them. And so go see Miss Leanne if you're interested in that. Okay, youth activity this Saturday, our first activity with our new youth pastor and his wife, the Guffies, this Saturday here at the church at 4.30. Uh, bring your kids, and I think it, it's till 9, so make sure with them, okay? We already mentioned the memorial service for Miss Jane Joffrey Vin, uh, uh, Finney this Saturday here. And come be part of that. Come, let's show our respect. 2 o'clock right here in this room our own pastor officiating that, okay? Our first home basketball game is this Friday night at the Boys and Girls Club. Come on out. It's a great time. 
And it starts at 6.15 with the girls playing first and the guys to follow. Marriage retreat, sign up in the coffee shop. Also, the widows and widow uh, luncheon, widower luncheon that's coming up on Sunday, February 10th. Sign up in the coffee shop. Win Women of Ruth Bible Study is at 11 o'clock in the Old Church office on Tuesday, February 5th. We need you to be part of that. And also, we're looking for an accomplished, accomplished? Is that the best word? Someone who knows how to play guitar, uh, an acoustic guitar for Sunday mornings. Brother Ed has come and been awesome uh, on Wednesday nights um, on the acoustic and bass on Sunday nights as well. But we need an acoustic guitar player to fill in for Hayden. So talk to me if you know somebody, all right? Or, 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 yes, Brother Pratt. Oh, let's mention that. My goodness. Uh, two things, Word of Life, if you are interested in going to Word of Life, Brother Lutz should be preaching, great meal, sign up for that. But it is a blessing to have Brother Warren here. Warren was in a car accident Sunday. So was Jack McVeigh. They were in the same accident. Some of you saw it on the news. The driver that caused it was killed drunk before noon on Sunday. And he ran into all, they were all sitting still and ran into all, this was not Warren's fault, praise the Lord, all right? But uh, Jack McVeigh, now that's Blanche's husband, terribly banged up. And Warren, you can see how he looks. Awful. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, that's how he normally looks. I'm sorry. But uh, tremendous accident. And it claimed the life of that young man. Uh, so you saw that on the news. So, yeah, so terrible. Eight a.m. Got to be here because we got to get up to Hudson. That'll be worth your going. That's a great meal and a great message and great fellowship. Eight a.m. in the morning. And Warren is not driving, so praise the Lord for that. Okay. All right. Let's all stand together. Be dismissed. I love you. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Bye, Daryl. We'll see you. in store and that's